You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Um, church, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. We are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Sorry, having technical difficulties. So, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be in the first five verses of that section. Let's stand together, guys, as we read God's word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is God's word. Lord, use your word to change us, teach us, shape us by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can have a seat. Ah, so good, uh, all the things that just we're, we're soaking in uh, these last few weeks. And as we, we put a cap on Legacy Month, I was, I was thinking about um, Paul here who writes this letter. And he's, he's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, on, on passing the baton. And I was thinking about you know, him, him using the scripture here to, to talk to his to his, he wrote a letter, right, to his son. We don't really write letters anymore. Um, and honestly, we don't, we don't really talk on the phone as much anymore. Like, I remember as a kid and growing up, like, I talked on the phone quite a bit, right? I mean, that was like it. Like, if you wanted to talk to someone, you, you, you talked on the phone. Talking. I remember Nikki and I, when we were dating, um, we were teenagers, and we talk on the phone a lot, like, a lot, a lot. Um, surprised. I think, well, there were times when her parents didn't know she was on the phone. <laughs> um, her parents are over there. And, um, you know, it's just not really a thing anymore. Like, people want to text more and, and chat in other capacities. I'm not saying, and, I, you know, I, I kind of like that, too, so I don't have to, you know, talk as much on the phone. But um, there was something really unique about, about talking on the phone, and I was, uh, I was inspired to, to get one of these um, because there was something really... Like, my, my kids can't understand this. They're like, Dad, I'm trying to call. Why isn't it working? <laughs> like, seriously, you know, all they know is cell phones. It's just like, why, why can't I dial anybody? Why, there's no, like, yeah. So, like, dial tones aren't a thing anymore, right? Um, busy signals sometimes happen, but for the most part, this is, and there was just something great about this, right? Like, you could, you actually could use your shoulder 
to, to talk on the phone and people could still hear you. And this twisty cord was a lot of fun, right? Like you could like wrap it up and then when it would get, you know, like turn the wrong way, you'd be like playing with it, trying to get it right. I don't know. I, mean, I was obsessive with some of those things. But there was something else that happened with the phone. There's something else that, that we experienced with these kinds of phones, and that was the hang-up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there was something so satisfying and special. And you believed, the person on the other end heard it. That they heard how angry you were at them. And they... I mean, there, there was, there was just, you can't do it anymore, man. Like the, on the cell phone, uh, you know, like you push it. <laughs> no one knows. They can't hear it out in the streets that you just hung up on somebody. But, you know, and if you're really mad, you gave it like the, <laughs> right? Like there, there was something beautiful about that and so satisfying. I'm not saying you should be rage hanging up on people, but sometimes it did, it it, it helped. It helped a little bit. And so, you know, those of you that are over, I don't know, 30, probably have all know what I'm talking about. Everybody under has no idea any of this. And so they have other ways of hurting each other in the digital world. But there's something about it that's like, you feel like you're having the last word, right? Like, even if you said goodbye and did it, like, and you were angry, like, there was something about showing the disapproval and the disappointment in your mind and heart, you know, in that action. And, you know, phones are like that. Sometimes we slam doors. Sometimes we do other things. There's, we, we like having the last word. We like putting a, an exclamation point on something to communicate how we feel and how we want this conversation to end. So the question is, what's the last word that you want? What do you want your last word to be? I mean, you hear up here, it's, it's amazing, right? Years and decades of faithfulness to a church and Lou saying like, I'm so thankful that, <laughs> that, that someone invited me to church. And now because of that invite, Generations have been changed, altered for not just decades and time here on earth, but for eternity. That's a memory Lou has of someone in his life who didn't give up, who didn't slam the phone, who didn't think about himself more than the fact that he wanted to share what God was doing in his life with someone else. What do you want people to remember you by? What's the word you want people to remember about you after you're gone or even while you're still here? We're talking about legacy. What we've learned from the people who have come before us and what we are going to leave with the people who will come after us. And today, what I just read is Paul's last word. It's the end of his conversation. He's about to hang up the phone. <laughs> and his charge to the next generation, to the people who are coming after, specifically for his son in the faith, Timothy. 
He's coming to the end of his life, and it has been a tough end. It has not gone smoothly. He has been very successful, but it has been at great cost. He has been beaten and whipped and stoned and shipwrecked and and mocked. And I mean, everything has happened to him, imprisoned. And he's about to die, and he's writing this letter as his final word to this young man who has become like a son to him, Timothy. And, And instead of being disappointed and angry and bitter and saying, oh, you kids today. You, you know, you next generation, you don't know what I've been through to get to this point. You're not strong enough to handle it. You know, back in my day, we used to walk uphill both ways to school in the snow, and y'all are soft and selfish, and you millennials, are you Gen Zers, are you? He doesn't say any of that. He leaves him with a final word that we read today. He said, this, he says, this is what I want to be known for. This is what I want you to be known for. And he passes on what he thinks will be the one thing that will change the world. It will change the world. It will change Timothy's life. It will change your life and my life. And he says, preach the word. He says, I charge you, preach the word. See, this is not what we would think Paul would say, right? Like in our mindset, in our culture, we, we're like, okay, this is the final thing, something that's going to change the world. I would want him to say, okay, I want you to go out and feed the hungry. I want you to go out and, and make sure that justice is served and justice ends, win the culture war. That's not what he says. He says, I want you to preach the word. And this is so essential to what we are about here as a church. Because it's not just for Timothy, it's, it's for us. The one thing that will most shape us and the one thing that will most shape the world around us and those who are coming after us is to preach the word. Because when that's done, when it's done properly, all those other things happen. The, the poverty ends, hunger ends, injustice ends. It brings life and wholeness to a broken and fragmented world. And we need to hear this. And so I want to give you a vision for this, to love the word so much that it isn't just your last word, but your first word, your your middle word, all your words. Right? And, And as we start talking about, you know, preaching and what that means, I want to just settle real quick what, what he means by the word. See, it's not just a word. It's not just his word or my word or their word. It's the word. And, and of course, we're, we're talking about God's word, God's inspired word. This is the, the scriptures, the Bible. See, Paul, who wrote this letter, has already said it before in, in uh, chapter 3, leading up to this passage. He says, as for you, he says, continue in what you've learned. And I firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how child did you been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation. We just have to settle real quick that truth comes from Scripture. Truth comes from God's word. We have it here in in the Bible. We have it in lots of different forms, but it is the word of God. It is truth. 
Just like any other word, is, it's breathed out. When we speak, we're breathing words out. But, but this word is not breathed out by man. It's breathed out by God, right? And the, and the scripture that leads right before Paul gives this charge, he says, all scriptures breathed out. All scriptures breathed out by who? By God. And is, say this word, profitable. Profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the people of God would be complete and equipped. See, this is what will change everything. It will change your life if you, if you stand on this foundation of God's word. This is the truth that will equip us for what? He says it, for every good work. And so the question for us is, well, what's every good work? What, what are the good works? And I think right on the heels of that, Paul says it. He says, I charge you, preach the word. This is the good work. This is the good work that we need to take up. And if you, you might sit here and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I'm no preacher, Adam. I don't like to preach. I don't want to preach. I can't preach. I can't talk in front of people. I can't do what you do. I can't do. Well, it's good news, okay? You don't have to. You don't have to do what I'm doing. Because, look, this word is not just for Timothy, okay? It is written in the scriptures so that it would strengthen us and equip us. See, we, we are preachers. All of us are preachers. This is not just left to the professionals. It's not just left to the pastors and the teachers. And, and we kind of want, we, we rather that happen, though. We'd like, all right, Adam, you, I'm going to invite my friend, but you, you tell him. You tell him about all the things. No, no, no. No, see... <laughs> That's not the model in Scripture. See, preaching is for all of us. We're all to be preachers. See, preaching is just a word that, that means to, to, to declare it, to say it. Look, your whole life tells a story. Your whole life is a sermon. Your whole life will, will communicate who you are, what you believe, what you value, what your priorities are. You preach every day. You may not realize that but listen you preach every day the question is what are you preaching what's your message your life is a sermon day after day what are you sermoning what are you preaching because what you preach will shape the legacy that you leave And don't believe that you can just step out of it and be like, I'm not a preacher, so now I can, ah. and, and don't think that what you type on Facebook or post online or share at, it, with your coworkers or communicate when you drive, all of it is preaching. And it doesn't mean that we don't talk about other things. Of course, we can talk about other things. But what is the thing, the thing that you want to be most known for? What is the thing that you are most known for? If you were to ask a poll of five friends and family, what would they say is like, oh, yeah. Joe is all about. Guys, we, we need to be thinking about this, maybe a little bit convicted about this. 
A lot of us are most known for other things, and we love it. We'd, we'd rather be known as the angry Republican or the angry Democrat or the anti-masker or the pro-masker or the anti-vaxxer or the pro-vaxxer or the hard worker, the one who makes the most money, the one who's prettiest, the one who's most fit, the one who... Did I make everybody feel uncomfortable? Okay, did I hit all the, all the bases? Are we good? A lot of us are, known, are most known for things that in the big picture are worthless. And they, they won't mean anything when this life is over, and a lot of it won't help us live better lives now. Paul's whole life was dedicated to this one thing, God's word. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, as long as I have breath in me, what I want to be known for is not the smartest Jewish man on earth or the, the most devoted convert now to Christianity. I don't want to be known as the one who started all the churches or wrote half the New Testament. I want to be known for following Jesus with all of my life with everything that is in me. And so the question continues to be for us, what do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? And maybe it's time to start shifting that to be known for something else. But I get it, man. I get it. This is hard. It is difficult. Uh, we, we, we get fired up about things. We we want to, to let our voice be heard and known, and I, and I understand that, and there's a time for all of that. But again, what is number one, top priority? And the reason why it's so hard is, one, we want it to be convenient. We want all things to be convenient, and we live in a world of convenience. Where we, I mean, I ordered something the other day on Amazon, and one option was get it, like, now. It was literally, like, 10 hours. Like, it was early, like I woke up the next morning and it was at my doorstep. I was like, oh, this is unbelievable. I, I like this. Get used to it. We want it convenient, but, but Paul says this, right? He says, be ready in season and out of season. <laughs> this, is, this is important, right? This is a farming metaphor here. So, right, seasonal crops come up, you get them, it's easier to get them, right? If you're trying to pull crops out, out of season, you're pulling dirt, but this is for us, right, to be ready in season and out of season. To be ready in season means, okay, this is, in season is when things are happening. You're feeling good. You had your coffee. You're, like, all prayed up. Life's rocking for you. You're like, oh, you want to talk about Jesus? Let me tell you. And, you know, out of season are those days where you're just like, I don't want to even see another human. Talk about the word? Preach the Uh-uh. My introvert self is going back into my introvert cave, and I will come out when things change. It's not it, man. Like, th this is, we love convenience. We love things to be simple and easy. And look, some days it is just not going to be convenient for us to, to do what God has called us to do. So he says, I want you to be ready all the time. You're like, Adam, that's exhausting. I know. But look, it's just as exhausting living this ex living this existence where we are constantly just bombarded with information and data and trying to process and responding and doing all the things. Like, look, it's just, it's better to just be ready. 
to have the word in you and ready to go so that you will be most known for loving the God of the universe. Look, and in order to do that, you have to know the word. To preach the word, you have to know the word. And that's not convenient either because we want to do a million other things besides get to know the word and get to know God. And so this book, you know, a lot of us don't like to read simple books or, you know, picture books, but this ain't a picture book. And it's got a lot of information in here, but this is the only way that we are going to get to know the word, get to know the one who wrote the word. And so we, we have to be in here. We have to be looking at it and reading it. And so part of that is coming here. So I'm you know, preaching to the choir. You're here, you're watching, whatever. This is, this is a piece of knowing the word, getting involved with other people and, and in opportunities to, to, to sing God's word, hear God's word, talk God's word, preach God's word is essential. But it's not convenient. And we don't like that. We want it now. We want instant readiness, right? He says, be ready. We just want instant readiness. He's like, just give me something I can take to be ready all the time. But it's just, it's like taking a vitamin. You don't, once you're sick, taking vitamins is not going to help you. I mean, it'll help you later, but no, we need it in us early and regular and consistent so that when sickness tries to attack us, that vitamin starts to fight off bad things and our bodies are healthier and stronger. It's the same in our spirit. We, 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 we prepare our spiritual lives now so that when it hits, and it will hit, whatever it is, you're ready. Whenever someone comes to you and says, listen, I have, I, I'm a mess. I, I have this relationship issue. I have this addiction issue. I have just this you know, question about who God is. And you're like, oh, no, I have nothing to say. You want to be ready in season and out. We don't just want it convenient. We, we, we want it casual, which makes it hard, too. He, <laughs> we like things to not, you know, some of us like to poke the bear a lot, but others of us just want, like, you know, you think your way, I think my way. I don't, I don't really want to talk about anything controversial. But look, he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Those are all words that, that have some form of correction at the heart of it. Now, don't get excited, all my correctors out there, okay? Some of you are like, I knew it. Great, that's what I've been doing all the time, online. Correcting people left and right. No, you're not. You're just... Stoking fires that are never going to go out. Preach the word. And with that, you can reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Again, we have to know the word. We have to be ready in season and out of season. Then it makes our reproving and rebuking and exhorting more effective. And so, hey, because you love people and you're like, hey, you're about to drive over a cliff. Let me snatch you from that and let me help you and say, look, don't, don't go that direction because it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill you. I was laughing when Ryan, you were like, we're going to take off our masks. And I was like, ugh. Because he was talking metaphorical mask, but like that, I'm just always worried about this stuff now. <laughs> like people are gonna be like, "Oh, see, they're telling everybody to take their that one soundbite is gonna go online, and they're gonna be like, look at this church; they want people to take off their masks." I'm like, "Yep." 
I'm like, nah, they're smart enough to know. He's, ta- he's like, we're going to take off our masks, and they weren't wearing any masks. So hopefully you understood, right? It's metaphorical. You want, you want to wear masks? Wear masks. This is great. Like, we encourage it right now. But, like, it's just a mess. Life's a mess. So let's, let's have that word in us so that we can do these things well and have good, charitable, healthy judgments of one another so that when someone says something, you know, that maybe sounds a little bit off, we don't just go, oh, we just, you know, and then you throw the label at them. Because that's, <laughs> we, we want things also to be quick. And that's one of the most dangerous, I think. See, Paul says, I want you to reprove, rebuke, exhort. I want you to preach the word in season, out of season, with complete, what? Patience and teaching. Say patience and teaching. Yeah, some of you were silent on patience and just went to teaching. (laughs) With complete mm, and teaching. (laughs) I don't want... I don't know, patience. Uh, we just need patience and teaching. <laughs> we just do. And I know right now it's, it's a crazy world. It's hard to know what's what. It's hard to know what to believe, what not to believe. And I know some of you would disagree with me on that, but I'm just going to say it again. It's really hard to understand what's to believe and what not to believe, and it's complex. And we would do well to have patience with one another and, and, and forget about just the issues of the world, but understanding who God is and what he's called us to. We need to teach that and preach that with complete patience and teaching. Both terms indicate time and lots of time, right? <laughs> you don't teach You're not going to learn everything you need to learn in one sermon. Kids go to school learning the same thing in math from kindergarten through 12th grade, just advanced forms of it. Patience and teaching. We need patience and teaching. We need help. We need to understand that these things take time. This will net, like, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting is never going to be done well in 40-character posts or clever memes or anything else that we think is just going to be a quick fix. It takes time, investment. It takes intentionality. See, preaching without teaching is, is unhelpful. It's useless at times. It's worthless at times. If all we're doing is saying, get better, get better, get better. And I'm preaching to you, but I'm not telling you how to get better. It's just mean. It's mean. It takes time and repetition for a message to get across and for people to understand and respond. And look, we don't want to listen. Let's just face it, we don't. And so we need patience and teaching, teaching that is grounded, grounded, grounded in the word, okay? Let that be the foundation of what you launch your teachings from. Why? Because he says it. He says, there is a problem. There is a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching, so he's like, I want you to teach with patience. And he's like, but there's going to be a time when people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear your teaching. They're not going to endure it, but with itching ears, they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Okay, let it sit. See, the choose-your-own-teacher route is so, I mean, it's so accessible right now. 
You can go online, listen to anybody, people who are much more gifted than me, who are brilliant communicators, who have millions of followers. And I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to others. I listen to others. This is why we have to to be grounded in God's word. Because preaching the word is going to bring the most change to our world. But after a while, people don't want to hear the right thing. And so our endurance wears off and we want something that's going to fit our style more. Yeah? So we have itching ears. This is a great image. Like my ears want what I want. And I, I want something that will make me happy. And it's like when you're hungry and you just crave that hamburger, that donut, that one thing that you know is not good for you, but you're like, oh, but it just makes me feel so good. Itching ears. We want something that's going to take the itch away. And itching ears want this. Itching ears want someone to agree with me. They want someone to, to excuse my behavior, and they want someone to sympathize with me. Right? I want to hear someone who will agree with me and just tell me what I want to hear. I'm living this way. I just want you to tell me that it's okay. And I want someone to sympathize with me, someone to say, hey, you deserve more. You deserve better than what you have. There might be some truth in that, but that is the danger where we start to fall into this idea that doesn't matter how I live, that this is just suggestions or this should be twisted and turned into something that it doesn't say. And when it's, I mean, there's a danger here. We, we gather teachers to suit our passions, to suit our passions. And so this is important for a church that as you're, as if you consider yourself to be a Christian, okay, you, you want to be in a place that preaches the word, okay, that preaches messages that come from the Bible, that, that are grounded in the word of God. Because if not, it's just going to be some guy or woman who's telling you things that's just on their mind and their heart and ways they think you're going to live a better life. And that's, it, it's going to lead to all kinds of problems because it says, look, when, when, we, when we turn away from sound teaching, we don't turn to no teaching. We turn to bad teaching. And there is bad teaching. And some people want us to call it out like, oh, tell us who it is. Tell us who's the bad teachers out there. I don't, I don't I got enough trouble just trying to tell you what I think is right here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We don't turn away to no teaching. We turn away to bad teaching, and it says we wander into what? Myths. Myths, legends, fairy tales. (laughs) Educated, smart. I can't believe some of the things that I hear people believe right now. And you're like, no, Adam, they're true. You don't know what I'm thinking about, okay? There are some weird stuff going on, and there's always been that way. It's just so much more accessible now. But look, this is our nature. We start hearing truth, and especially with God, with who he is, and we start taking it, and we're like, eh, I don't really like it when God says that here. So I, but this guy tells me that it's really not saying that and that I can live however way I want. I mean, people are, we are constantly looking for someone to say it's okay, and we wander off into these myths, and we start looking at the scriptures or looking at the stars or looking at the trees or looking at whoever and saying we, we fabricate all kinds of weird things. And God is like, there is so much danger in that you need to stop. 
come back to the sound teaching of God's word. Because he told us earlier, we are to rightly handle the word of truth. It's what Paul told us a few messages ago. So how can we help ourselves here? How can we be strengthened? How do we avoid itching ears? How do we avoid wandering off into myths? How do we avoid being unprepared? Right? We want to be ready in season and, and out of season. We want, to, we want to have it not just casual, but, but serious and, and provoking. How do we keep it from just being quick and having a mindset that, that is going to be patient and endure? Guys, this is why we're doing this legacy series. Do you see people who have, do you think this church has just been a, a playground for them for 44 years you think life has just been so easy and they're like, oh, we've just stayed. It's been so good. Like, no, it's not always good. Life is not going to always be easy. And per- I know you're like, yeah, Adam, I, I get it. I know. But often we treat God like that. As soon as something wrong comes our way, we're like, you have abandoned me. And we want to wander off. We want to question everything. We need to lean in. So how do we do that in a way that's going to protect us? He says this. He says, as for you. So I want you to put you in there. As for you. Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Just keep that up there for a minute. So we need to be sober. This has nothing to do with alcohol. It has to do with how we think, how we process information. We want to be sober-minded. We want to be serious. We want to be clear-headed. We want to understand that the stakes are high, okay? How we live now and then also who comes after us and how we shape the legacy that comes beyond. We want our legacy to endure in a way that's going to bring life and hope and beauty and wholeness. We need to take it seriously and be sober. How do we do that? We, all the things we've talked about, get into God's word, get into life with God's people, be uncomfortable forever. Right? Being drunk is the opposite of sober. It's just like carefree, don't care, it's, you're flying. Sober is reality. We want to be sober. We want to be sturdy. He says, endure suffering. Endure. We want to be sturdy. We want to, when the suffering comes, when life comes and hits us, we want to be firm, strong, planted. The only way to do that is by being grounded in God's word because everything else is going to be like, I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what. Trust Jesus Christ for your life, your wellness, your wholeness, for everything. And you're like, but that doesn't let me know if I should get a vaccine or not. I get it. It is hard. God is not surprised. God is going to care for you through all of it. Be sturdy. Realize that there is always a cost to doing the right thing. When we follow Christ, there will always be a cost. When you do anything worthwhile, there will always be a cost. You want to you be in shape, there's going to be a cost. You want to be smart, there's going to be a cost. You want to... You Live in truth, 
There's going to be a cost. Trust in God to give you the strength and the sturdiness to, to withstand all that comes. And we need to be sharp. We need to be sharp. Look, he says, do the work of an evangelist. That means you care about other people. You're seeing, you're, you're paying attention to what's going on in the world around you. Ben Preston said it so well. He said, you need, we need to get out there and we need to take what we get here and go into this world and, and make it different. Shape it with the gospel that's in us, with this preaching of the word where we go and we are sharp and looking and saying like, wow, I see that injustice over there. I want to I I talk to that because I'm ready in season and out of season. I, wanna, I see this person suffering. I want to I leave alleviate that suffering. I see sharp. And it all comes through trusting in who God is and being shaped by him. Look, he says this. He says, fulfill your ministry. Church, this is the charge for you. You're like, what's my ministry? I just told you. You are charged with bringing wholeness to this world around you because of the wholeness that God has given to you. Trust in Christ Fulfill your ministry. That's what Paul said to Timothy. That's the legacy he was leaving. It's the legacy he's leaving to us, and now it's the legacy you get to live in and leave to the next generations. Amen? Church, let's stand together. God, you are good. You are worth all of it, and you shape us with your truth. You tell us to go and preach the word, and God, forgive us where we say, no, I can't do that. No, no, you call all of us, if we are Christians, to trust in you. And for those that have not trusted in you yet, who are not Christians, we are so thankful that we can be in the same room together, they can be hearing these words, because it is the first step in a call to trust you, God. Would you save us? Would you save those who don't know you? Would you show them their need for you? And would they follow you with all that they have? God, we love you and need you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing, church.